0: Are infectious like a dog scratched ear a pleasure is high Welcome to the Box Tunnel Survivors Group a place for those affected by the issues raised in the TV show Being Human <laughs> Look, Lively, we haven't got much time. I need to talk to you about being human. You know, that BBC Free Show from quite a few years ago. I can't say that I paid you much attention until you started scrolling through your podcast app of choice and came across the Box Tunnel Survivors Group. Michael, I thought, lend a hand. Thank you very much for tuning in, or tuning in probably isn't the best term for this episode, so thank you for pressing play. And we are cracking on now with more Series 2, the second episode and things are coming at us from the other side. So we'll get going. It's time to play Perfect Recall. I have spent the last, what is it? It must be 10 years now, calling my next guest, whose actual name is Elizabeth. I've been calling you Shoo, basically, haven't I, for 10 years.
1: Yeah, but everybody has.
0: <laughs> and now, now you're a 28-year-old. I feel like when we met the other day, my first instinct was, Shoo! That got some funny looks from people around us.
1: (laughs) It feels weird if people call me Elizabeth in that circle, though.
0: But either (laughs) way is fine. So where did it come from? Essentially, you had an old Twitter handle, didn't you, that was Shoe Pigeon, uh, alluding to a certain scene in the first ever episode.
1: Yes, it was from um, the first episode where George kills a pigeon with a shoe. (laughs) Um, And I did actually meet Russell Tovey at a show at the Royal Court once. And I told him that and then he was like, oh, that's an amazing name. And he gave me his autograph and I got a kiss on the cheek and it was great.
0: And then you walked away and you went, what a weirdo.
1: <laughs> Probably.
0: <laughs> yeah, to me, you are quite intrinsically linked to that first episode because on one of our trips quite a few years ago, I think it might have been we were in Cardiff and we ordered some, take- we ordered some takeout to be delivered to our hotel and you
1: oh answered the
0: door. <laughs> word for word dialogue how Annie spoke to the pizza delivery guy <laughs> <laughs> in the very first scene of being human.
1: Yeah. Ah, oh, that trip was so wild. I was just obsessed. I think it's the first real trip I'd had with you guys, and I was only eighteen, and I was just obsessed with reenacting everything. Yeah.
0: And we, we, we were all like in the living room. And you were like nervously s- s- <laughs> saying Annie's words, word for words. Like we couldn't gauge what his reaction was. What was what was his reaction? Basically, like the pizza guy in in the show.
1: Um, probably. I think <laughs> I think I was just so shy afterwards. I just sort of grabbed the pizza or whatever it was we had and ran away, um, and <laughs> didn't give him chance to react.
0: Um. So, how did you get into the show initially? Was it literally when the show first aired?
1: Um. More or less I saw Russell Toby doing an interview on something for the weekend and they showed a clip and I thought, Oh, that looks cool. Um but I was really, really into heroes at the time, so I was like, okay. no show's gonna be as good as that. Um watched it. I remember my brother saying, This is as this is better than heroes, and I was like, nah. <laughs> um and then a few weeks later Funny story, I had one of those robot baby things that they give you to, uh, at school to train you for having a baby. Um, okay, I, and I don't know where this is
0: going, I'm intrigued.
1: Um, but my teacher gave me the wrong wristband to get to stop crying, so literally this thing kept me up all night and I couldn't stop it. So I just gave up and I was on iPlayer and I just decided to watch all of Being Human, the first series. <laughs> And, yeah, just me and this robot baby were watching it, and it was pretty good.
0: <laughs> Perfectly normal <laughs> baby. <behave, yeah. laughs> so, I mean, the answer is obviously yes. It is better than Heroes, it, isn't
1: it? It is, yeah.
0: And at least it got an ending.
1: Yeah, sort of. <laughs> did, you
0: follow, did you follow Heroes all the way through?
1: Uh, yeah, I did from the beginning. Um. Yeah, I didn't officially move on to Being Human like I was watching it but I didn't sort of shift onto the fandom until Heroes had been cancelled and then yeah I was because they the BBC had a blog for Heroes as well so then I was looking and I found the Being Human blog and yeah everyone on there kind of stoked the enthusiasm for it. <laughs>
0: Um. Yeah. So, uh, on some of our trips that we used to go on, you did pretty much dress as Alex, didn't you? In in in, the, in a, her full clobber.
1: Yes. Um. I yeah. I managed to find out they got most of the ghost clothes from All Saints. Um. So I found that out, and then I found, found the leather jacket. Found um a lot of Annie's jumpers and things were from All Saints as well. And got my hands on the Doc Martens, and yeah, was enjoying enjoying the ghost fashion.
0: Well, on that, do you then identify as a ghost, or are you more werewolf or vampire?
1: Yeah, so I came, I was so excited for this question. Come up with a whole thing. It's um, it's quite. Does it include a robot baby? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I am a person who always wanted to be a vampire but turned out that I'm a ghost maybe something went horribly wrong with the recruitment Um, and yeah so then I was a bit annoyed about that for a while and then now I'm kind of embracing the ghostness and not shunning my ghost powers and finding out that my ghost powers are actually pretty cool and using those to take over the world
0: What would you have as your ghost power?
1: Do you mean like supernatural wise or? Yeah,
0: yeah, supernatural wise. What would, if you had a gift as a ghost?
1: I think it would be the renter ghosting because I'm I'm always late for things and I always like can't be bothered to make the journey. So if I could just blink and then be there, that would be really cool (laughs) in my modern day life.
0: So as you're a ghost, if you did die today
1: mm-hmm.
0: and got stuck in this limbo, what do you think your unfinished business would be?
1: I think it would be reading all the books that I have in the other room that I keep buying and never get around to reading.
0: How, how many is it?
1: <laughs> um, I don't know. I have a few I did... that I inherited that are like all these yeah. big, proper old fashion, great books that I keep saying I'm going to read and never get to it. There's quite a few. If,
0: if you were a ghost, though, you could just go into the library in the dead of night and just read it all then, too.
1: I, yeah, I think I would... Eventually, I'd get there. I'd just sort of sit in the library for the next 50 years, read all the books, and then my door would appear and I'd pass over.
0: So you'd, you'd have no interactions with vampires or scary things you'd just be reading your books in your library and then pass over
1: yeah the closest thing would be reading dracula
0: i don't think there'd be a tv show in this
1: no it would be a bit dull all
0: right speaking of tv shows we'll crack on with series two episode two which is called serve god love me and mend it was aired on first aired on january 17th 2010 directed by colin teague written by toby whithouse and of course, other than the main trio or quartet now, uh, Lindsay Marshall, Donald Sumter, Paul Reese, Mark Fleischman, Annex Lenipakin I hope I pronounced that right and Steve John Shepard uh, star in this episode. And at the very start, we begin with what later becomes a being human tradition a vampire tied to the chair, and uh, Mitchell is topless. <laughs> it's new year's eve uh fireworks are going off outside and carl his friend is being a fun sponge as mitchell wants to go out and have some fun on the night fat boy slim just to date it so we know exactly where we are 1999 fat boy slim is playing in the background uh a man named dan enters the room and mitchell unleashes verbal bile onto him Uh yes mitchell says why are you doing this and carl responds because it's what you would do for me mitchell and Carl sits at his piano and gets all Jules Holland Hootan <laughs> and plays the piano. Except this was actually New Year's Eve, unlike the nanny. Series two kind of also started properly the flashbacks that became a being human thing as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's not that really any Is there flashbacks in Series One?
0: I don't think more, more so that I think in series one it was it was the narrated intros, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. So obviously this is a new device of which to like start storylines.
1: Yeah. If there was flashbacks, it was to like the other week rather than um, yeah far back. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's interesting to see. I suppose Mitchell in the past with different people, and it's given more context to his backstory.
1: Yeah. Yeah. More layers. More. Yeah, as George says later, it's like you, you had had a house with someone before me.
0: <laughs> so at the New Found Out Pub, Saul is charming Annie and annoying Hugh as George enters the room. Annie, uh, like in episode one, is very excited and let's say quite buoyant. And I think there's a lot of criticism around Annie, especially in series this kind of performance in series two and sometimes in a bit of series three, saying it's a bit out of character, but I don't necessarily agree with that because, firstly, we didn't really know her from the past. We only really knew her around Owen and the trauma of an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. Secondly, I think she's very excited because, obviously, she's been invisible. She's now mingling with people that aren't just just her two housemates. She's got a job and it's almost like everything's normal again. So she's very giddy from that as well.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what I think. I think... This is like her first real chance she's had at being human, um, properly. The, the boys have been working in the hospital and stuff and interacting with people and flirting with people for the whole of series one and before. But, um, this is Annie's first real chance. Even when she was visible before, she had the shadow of Owen over her and she was just mm. obsessed with him. So, yeah, this is her first chance to really dive into being human now she's free of owen
0: yeah exactly so saul continues his fake arrest story and hugh and george are clearly on the same page they could not give a shit <laughs> and there's some weird lame pirate impressions walk me to the land <laughs> What? it walk, walk me to, to the door land lover <laughs> um, and then george clocks how hugh is looking at annie yeah Poor Hugh <laughs> <laughs> We knew it was going to come on that Sometimes we go poor George but This episode is pure poor Hugh yeah. At the hospital Lucy gets into the lift And Mitchell is there with his trusty mop mm-hmm. Someone's been sick in the shop Some days it's all about the poo But today everything's about the sick And a stranger manages to walk out of the lift At the next floor despite how clenched Their toes must have been <laughs> <laughs> And Lucy goes So that was weird Yeah these lifts look like something from some kind of I don't know 60s or 70s horror film they're really old and
1: creaky yeah
0: yeah disgusting look I mean it's amazing it it suits the show but it's Mm. they look horrible Mm -hmm. Mitchell confesses I don't know how to talk to you oh my god I've become my flatmate (laughs) yeah
1: and I yeah wrote down it's George and Becca vibes from series one episode one
0: yeah like a role reversal isn't Mm -hmm. it Lucy thanks him for Trevor the goldfish and Mitchell expresses so what do I do now? Do I buy you another goldfish? No, see, you've gone weird again (laughs) He could, now this, you might not get this reference, Mm -hmm. he could get another goldfish and he could call it Simon Um... I'm going to leave that (laughs) hanging (laughs) I do
1: just love Lucy's line saying me and Trevor have such a laugh I'm just imagining her like a montage of Lucy and Trevor (laughs) Just having
0: a laugh. Like you with your robot baby.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Just to elaborate, Trev and Simon were a comedy duo from the the 90s. Okay. I'm moving on.
1: (laughs) Okay. I'll Google it later.
0: (laughs) She instead offers the chance of a coffee with him instead. And onto the ward they go where Lucy reveals the dead body of Dan, who we briefly saw in the cold open. And Lucy notices marks on Dan's neck.
1: Mm. Um, I noticed that that all the other patients they walk past have got blood all over them, and there's a guy behind Mitchell that's bleeding from the neck. And I did wonder if perhaps there there was some vampire attacks going on, but Mitchell was kind of oblivious to them at this moment.
0: I've not noticed that, actually.
1: They do walk past a lot of bloody people. I don't know if that's just standard hospital, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, I think anything's given that you could analyse that it. it could be vampire yeah. attacks when it, anything's involved with the hospital. The police officer who clearly skipped equality and diversity <laughs> training that <laughs> murmurs it's probably a gay thing, and Lucy pronounces, the, of "The Gentleman somewhere in Bristol is a gay vampire."
1: There's a lot of awkward
0: There's... gay jokes. A lot of awkward gay jokes. <laughs> and then then the police officer again pushes it a bit too far i tell you what i bet he'd like to see my full moon so he's missed his supernatural monster training too
1: yeah yeah they play a lot with like the dark humor with the doctors and stuff um in this episode which i've heard that doctors and firemen and emergency services have all got really dark humors so i think they're really leaning into that with lucy Uh
0: I think you'd have to as well, wouldn't you, mm. to to get through the day. Yeah. Back at the Pink House, Nina is wrapped up in bed and George... We see a very different side to George to what we saw in the first episode of Series 2. He comes in with breakfast for Nina. Ex Benedict, choc ice, ginger beer and cigarette.
1: Breakfast of champions.
0: <laughs> but the mood is kind of ruined by George moaning about her smoking and Nina snaps. You've done more to shorten my life expectancy than these ever could.
1: Yeah, I think she's still coming to terms with things and she's, I think she's joking a little bit about the werewolf thing just to try and make light of it.
0: Yeah, and I think actually George takes it quite well because it looks like he's about to drop off, but he yeah,
1: he, he, re-
0: he reins it in. Yeah,
1: they have a little cuddle.
0: So we cut to Saul's house and he puts the telly on, pops some pills, he hears none other than the television talking to him and it's radio and TV legend. Terry Wogan calling his name.
1: It's madness. How on earth did they get Terry Wogan on that?
0: <laughs> I remember watching this watching this scene for the first time and just thinking, this is mad. I love it. It's just n- not what you expect. And this, a, a bit like this episode, it goes where you do not expect it to.
1: Mm. Yeah, definitely. It was just... It's Terry Wogan just talking to <laughs> yeah. you on the TV as a... Yeah, the face of the afterlife spirit people
0: it's crazy uh, it's crazy that's right Saul. it's me terry wogan look <laughs> lively we haven't got much time i need to talk to you about annie that lovely girl in the pub and saul understandably looks at his bed quite confused <laughs> well you would wouldn't you uh, he thinks it's a wind up by one of his mates duncan you absolute bastard the tone changes very quickly this is about the corridor saul perhaps you should sit down until you had your little accident, I can't say that I paid you much attention. The minute you walked into that pub, saw that lovely girl, I knew I had to lend a hand. Terence, I thought, <laughs> lend a hand. <laughs> just amazing. He tells Saw to tell her about the accident. The girls go potty for that. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's like a twisted relationship expert yeah, from hell.
1: I did just think, like, you trust him. If Terry Wogan knocked on your door and said to do something, then you'd be like, yeah, okay. You'd you'd kind of you'd trust him. So they've def the men with sticks and rope have um, chosen a very trustworthy face to pop up on the TV and tell Saul to not flirt with Annie.
0: If Terry Wogan actually turned up at my house today, he would be from the afterlife yeah. because.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, you would you would be a bit startled.
0: Terence, I said, go round to Michael's, <laughs> have a cup of tea. <laughs> Uh, Back at the pink house, Mitchell is offering Nina advice, but again Nina doesn't take it, she's not very interested I'm sure Werewolf didn't come up when I spoke to my careers teacher and obviously they're being monitored and this triggers a reaction from the shady man listening to them through the mics planted in the house Yeah, Uh, yeah, go on
1: Um, So that guy Lloyd um, on the blog, he had this before series 2 started, he had this whole little mini-series thing where he was doing these little videos, like "Oh, I've found finding out about vampires and things he just came across as this kooky, kind of eccentric um, enthusiast guy, and then later on in the videos, you find out he's working with other people, but yeah, he has much of a he was a big character on the blog before he appeared in the show.
0: I didn't know when to discuss this obviously because. Of where to where it's placed and when the reveals happen, but he's working for sensor, isn't he? Who yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Kemp and Jagger are working for, and Censor stands for oh. right.
1: Center for the Study of Supernatural Activity.
0: There you go. Boom.
1: <laughs> it was somewhere in my head.
0: Tay Wogan planted it there. <laughs> uh, yes. So Nina takes her leave, and Mitchell goes to George for advice himself about what he saw at the hospital. And turns out he used to live with Carl. George gets very stroppy about this information. Mm. Of course I've lived with other people. Do you think i spent the last hundred years waiting for you and your three different types of upholstery cleaner to show up?
1: Yep, I wrote that quote down as well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Carl went on to live with Dan, who was a human, and George asks, what will be done about the body. And vague as Mitchell usually is, he says, well, there's a process, it'll be fine.
1: Mm. Yes, the process.
0: But they yeah. can't really
1: for-
0: trust that anymore. Uh, at the pub, Saul walks in only to be confronted by Terry Wogan again. <laughs> As Perfect Recall, this, this occasionally for some things, state a TV show, and Perfect Recall probably was on for like about two years.
1: Yeah, I don't think I ever watched this. Yeah. No.
0: Uh, Terry is encouraging Saul to tell Annie everything, and he does. He says, I almost died. He goes on to explain that he had had a car accident and that he was technically dead for six minutes he tells her there was a corridor bright white light, there were men with sticks and rope and Annie confesses that she has seen this too, she gives him a peck on the cheek and Terry Wogan nods his head in approval good work son
1: and now Saul trusts the people on the TV so yeah, if they go to and also, something else they
0: might Yeah, I think it's the power of the men with sticks and rope and the people on the other side have if they are just communicating with Saul, and Annie can't see that because there's a scene later and she's oblivious to what's going on the TV in his house, so it's clearly being just channeled through him, isn't it? Mm.
1: Yeah, I was wondering that, and um I wrote a note for a scene later like are they actually are they controlling the reality or are they controlling what what Saul is seeing? are they like in his head?
0: There's a knock on the door at the house and Mitchell is relieved at what he sees. Carl is then hunched up and tells Mitchell that he had been do- dreaming about blood. Mm. When it happened, he didn't even look frightened. He looked disappointed. You think you're free of it, but it finds you. These two lines kind of reoccur pretty much exactly the same, if I remember, in series five. Ooh. There's one way how I was talking about Sylvie, that she looked disappointed.
1: Yes. Yes,
0: And uh, I don't know whether it's the same scene or something else, but then Hal also says it finds you. So it's one of those things where Toby likes bringing back
1: yeah, certain themes. oh and,
0: and, uh, yeah, interpreting lines in different situations. Mm. George comes from the shadows and asks, why did you let him die? Why didn't you recruit him? Carl snaps because he was kind. And George ushers Mitchell's away for a word and Carl acknowledges he knows who George is. You're a celebrity, referring to his murder of Herrick. George doesn't want Carl to stay in the house but it's not a conversation. Mitchell completely overrules him. But then it's a bit like t- the Tully thing. Uh, Mitchell kind of just went, no, nope, Tully's staying. That that went well as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I did notice here that George is really, really trying to protect Nina here. Throughout the whole episode, he's trying to keep her, to protect her from all the supernatural influences that are attacking them from outside. He's trying to keep her safe And let her process what she is Before we mm. have to deal with all that stuff
0: Before inviting everything else yeah. back in again And he, yeah he's probably thinking the, the causes of What happened in series one of course Caused a lot of troubles At the start of series two So he, Not that he's viewing it as series one and series two But he's, he's thinking I need to protect the house More than ever really mm. uh, We cut to Kemp praying And shady guy that's what I'm calling him <laughs> It's Lloyd Pink, isn't it, his name?
1: Yeah, Lloyd Pinky
0: or something. Pinky, yeah. Uh, He approaches with transcripts of conversation he's heard from the house. I love Kent's reaction. The procession has spread. (laughs) (laughs) Pink asks why they haven't taken one of them in already. And Kent responds, The three types have never cohabited like this before. And the professor believes it presents a valuable opportunity to watch them interact. What's more all three have now constructed identities that allow them to present themselves as human. And he goes, yes, but what do you think? And some lines, like, just so good. This is one of my favourite episodes of being human out of the whole run of being human. And it's it's for certain moments like this, like, beasts should be put in cages, infections should be cauterised. It's just, he's such a dick, but he, he plays it so well.
1: Yeah, it's yeah. He's the bad guy. We know he's he the, is bad so guy. the bad
0: guy. Uh, Shady guy says the next full moon is in twenty two days, and they need a type. We need a type three,
1: mm.
0: uh, and then we get a real close up of Kemp's evil face. Yeah. At the pub, Annie is
1: gushing about Saul. She's like, "Saul says, Saul says, Saul
0: says." <laughs> yes, and George expresses his concern. And she goes, thanks, but I'm a bit too old and dead for the contraception conversation. George tells her she already has two men chasing after her. And she can't believe Hugh is one of them. He's like a little brother to me. George response, oh my God, why not just stab him in the face?
1: <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say poor Hugh again.
0: Poor Hugh. Hashtag poor Hugh. George is worried Annie will get hurt. But then, as Annie says... The risk is all part of the deal and alive or dead, I think she's right. Because before you commit to any relationship or go out on any date or meet any person you don't know or get to know them, there's always that element of risk anyway. Yeah. And to her, she's just like, well, I'm dead, you know, technically. So, you know, after everything that's happened to her.
1: Yeah, he might turn out to be uh, a very nice person or maybe not. But you're not going to know until you try.
0: So, George takes his leave and Annie has a smug moment to herself. Still got it.
1: Yeah, she's still loving being human at the moment and being as close to that as she can be.
0: Nina is back from her shift to be met by Carl in the kitchen. She's frosty with him and he's being a bit over-earnest. Don't be too hard on George. And she says, this is your business, how precisely?
1: Mm.
0: Uh, We shouldn't be in houses in streets with children. Carl kind of mumbles, there are safeguards we can put in place, and Nina steps. Things go wrong, Christ knows we're both proof of that. I'm radioactive now, that's how it feels. And then they kind of bond slightly over George's Shepherd's Pie.
1: I think Carl feels a bit like a bit of an intruder into the household, and suddenly he knows all about Nina and about her condition and how it happened. And I feel like Mitchell's been a bit insensitive about everybody else in the situation
0: surely not not Mitchell (laughs) um
1: Uh,
0: but I do think
1: that Carl I feel I didn't the first time that I saw it but I do really feel for him I feel like he's you know he's just killed his um person that he loved and Hmm. um he's just sort of reaching out for someone to he doesn't know what to do I think so he's just trying to connect with everybody and tell everybody how bad he's been.
0: He's confiding in Mitchell, isn't he? Yeah. Because he trusts him. But it's also interesting because, obviously, Carl knows about George killing Herrick. And he also knows about, we don't know how much he's picked up from Mitchell or anything about Nina. How much like everyone knows about what George did. And how much, not just that, but how much they know about that household. Which is quite dangerous. Yes. Because there's one thing, them knowing that George and Mitchell live together, but it's they know about Nina, they know about Annie and everything else and where they live. That's the whole new world, isn't it?
1: Yeah, they're not hiding from the world in their little pink house and being a part of humanity and stuff. There's The vampires are out there and Daisy and Ivan weren't the first ones to attack George and no. they're kind of local celebrities in the supernatural world
0: so mitchell and george are on a bench together outside the hospital discussing gay vampire man it's shorthand like accidentally sat on a wine bottle man knowing what we know about lucy later on in the series this kind this conversation is very different to how it presents mitchell is kind of fishing for information lucy is hiding certain elements but dangling certain carrots in his path
1: I don't know what she's... I think she's just trying to see how he's going to react and mm. giving him information and prodding him and seeing what he does.
0: She reveals that the pathologist says it's a heart attack, but there'll be a coroner to do a second post-mortem with a different pathologist. And Mitchell is m- f- fishing for a name and he finds out it's someone called Quinn. But there's also a nice little nod in this scene, especially with the discussion of what they're talking about. They're on the bench that says, in loving memory of Lauren Drake, Yes, which is a nice little touch.
1: Yeah, it's sort of calling back to Series 1.
0: It kind of awkwardly clashes with their discussion. Mm. At the pub, Annie is awkwardly asking Saul out on a date. He agrees and Hugh enters the room, annoyed at seeing Annie flirting, and confronts him. You might have Annie fooled with your face and your hair. (laughs) he says hovering above his head and then Saul turns the page of the newspaper and it reads breaking news Hugh is a dick now I always wonder about this bit like we were talking a bit about the rules earlier with the TV what rules are applied here is it the same form of medium that makes the TV speak to him that changes the headlines is it the other side constructing almost like an algorithm for him or is it just a throwaway joke
1: yeah, it could just be a throwaway joke, but, but I'm sure that we can pick it apart and rationalise it as much as as we like. That's what kind of started to make me think, are they in his head rather than they're affecting yeah. the TV and the, yeah. um, and the yeah, actual like, newspaper? Yeah,
0: like the TV and the radio frequency are just pitched to him. Mm. Because obviously, like Hughes, he doesn't see the headline or his picture. In the in the paper, so that it's kind of a manipulation of reality for, for Saul, isn't it?
1: Yeah, or maybe they haven't actually done anything to make the newspaper. It's just that's just what Saul is thinking at the moment, or it's sort of yeah, but yeah, they're they're telling us what Saul is thinking about.
0: Or perhaps Hugh really is a dick. He has he has made the local paper. Such a spectacular and that's...
1: <laughs> dick. He's made the news.
0: <laughs> and that's why no one shows up at his pub. <laughs>
1: it's possible.
0: Okay, so Mitchell is on the case of Quinn, questioning why a second post-mortem was approved. Quinn is fobbing him off a bit, and he goes, and? And Mitchell says, the man was killed by a vampire. And Quinn sternly says, I know. He's unaware of Herrick's death. Um, then he goes, what's happened to him? And Mitchell describes it as polygraphic politics because he's not had payment for six weeks yeah says the deal's off what a beautifully scottish voice he's got oh yeah
1: he's a great character i like it. it's him.
0: amazing yeah he's, he's he's only in like a select few scenes but yeah it's so good for 10 years i've been i'm not even going to attempt the this i'm caught a scottish <laughs> but i'm not going to attempt the accent for 10 years i've been aiding and betting the slaughter of fathers and mothers and daughters and son, i'm not doing it and sons <laughs> Herrick said your kind were a facet of nature like a tiger or an earthquake. You're not. You're just murderous. Murderous. Yes. <laughs> murderous. It's great. Yeah, so good. And it's always, I mean, much as we love Mitchell, it's always nice to see people square up to Mitchell.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think it kind of dawns on Mitchell that the whole system is crumbling because Herrick's not there. Like He mm. just assumed, like, earlier he said there's a system, there's a process, um, it'll be fine. But he's realising, hang on a minute, I've got to step up here, otherwise it, it's all going to cut... What Ivan said is, is true, and it's all going to yeah. come crumbling down. So I think this, yeah, this scene, and then the next two, I've got little stars next to them, because I'm like... It's like, bam, 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 the three Yeah. characters... The, their trajectory of the episode just shifts because of the next, this scene and the next two as well.
0: Yeah, Mitchell's kind of desperate when he says, you think it's noble what you're doing? It's suicide. We all have a role. One slip, one fucking road to Damascus moment and everything gets exposed. Mm. He's like, yeah, but I'll take the consequences. I want to look my grandchildren in the eye, even if it's just for a day. And this, as we soon know, gives Mitchell an idea of how to play this.
1: Yeah, oh, I didn't think of that, but yeah.
0: George gets a note in his locker and he's soon back down in the hospital cellar and Ivan is there waiting for him. We're halfway through this episode and I'm not at one point am I thinking, where, even though they're amazing characters, am I thinking where Ivan and Daisy are? Mm. Because they're so good, it's such a good episode that, you, that you're not thinking, oh, they were a massive part of last week and now nothing.
1: You don't expect them to reappear, but then George is just like, oh, for fuck's sake, Ivan's <laughs> here now.
0: Yeah. More problems. Yeah. Ivan's there, menacingly waiting. Some say you had to drug him first. Others say you begged for a place in the New World. And when Herrick refused, you killed him. I've heard he escaped and is building an army in Europe. But what really happened? And George's, I came in, I changed, I tore his head off. Uh, he says, Fair enough. I don't give a shit about Herrick. He's like it any scene he's in, but he's really threatening and unpredictable in this scene. The way he's pacing and then going up to George and walking away and kind of changing the subject matter all the time.
1: Yeah. It's like, are you going to kill him? Are you just going to ask about his childhood or something?
0: And it's not about Herrick at all. He knows that George screwed Daisy and that's why. That's why he's pissed off. And we learn he's 237. He says, I'm 237 and I don't feel anything. What did you say that made her feel again? And George explains the whole trying to kill her daughter thing. And Ivan looks disappointed. I wanted it to be something I could understand.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's pissed that George screwed Daisy. I think it is the that George seems to have got under her skin. Maybe I don't know what yeah. state she is when she went back to the travel lodge. Um, but <laughs> yeah, like if they just if they just I just I just it. hope they had
0: a shower at the travel lodge. That's what <laughs> <all> I'm saying. <laughs>
1: If they'd just done it, then I think Ivan would be alright with it, but yeah, George seems to have got under her skin and made her not kill her daughter and made her feel again.
0: Annie and Saul arrive after their date at Saul's house and they sit down, but he's clearly distracted by the TV, as you would be if Anderson from Sherlock was communicating to you from it.
1: Yeah, the first time I showed this to my partner, he said, oh, Anderson's a dick in two universes. <laughs> yeah
0: give her a kiss, proper creepy, go on sun, get in. he starts thrusting. It's all sorts of weird. And Saul pushes her to the ground. Again, this is how the mood can change so quickly. Okay. Like, it could be just like a throwaway guy on TV making innuendo, and then it gets really horrible mm. when he pushes her to the ground and forces himself on her. So okay. she rents a ghost out of there, and that's understandable given her experiences with Owen and Tully. Mm. At the house, though, Mitchell is less sympathetic The roles are reversed, again from the Tully episode, where it was Mitchell being the considerate, caring one, and George being the dick.
1: Yeah. I've got that this is the first time they're all together in a scene in this episode.
0: Yeah, I clocked that as well. They're
1: arguing, which I think it's building to the um, epic scene in the next episode, the house meeting scene. But yeah, the first time they're all together and it's not nice they're kind of at each other's throats a little bit
0: yeah he says he's a human he's a civilian this is absolutely the last thing i need right now and uh, annie is totally right she says i think it's a bit much rich you taking the moral high ground bear in mind you're a mass murderer hmm. uh, mitchell drops off finding out that carl isn't in the house george says he's your murdering fugitive if you want to keep him you've got to look after him <laughs> series two builds on the blossingham friendship of annie and george because there's a nice little moment at the end of the scene where annie says you you want to say i told you so he's like no 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 and he goes all right a little <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah that was a nice moment
0: mitchell tracks down carl outside his own house the scene of the crime and he breaks the news that the coroner will not cover for them carl is at breaking point and mitchell devises a plan this next scene i love so much this this is what being human does as a show to me it makes me love a Mumford and Sun song. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a good a good little montage in the good song. And the bit where Nina sees Carl on the table and it's like, you know me. That's a good moment. Yeah,
0: it's a really affecting scene. And, and obviously it's a lyric from the song is where the episode title comes from. Mm. So it's staged that Carl kills himself, essentially. Uh, we see a shir- syringe and he's dead in speech marks and Mitchell is calling the police about a break-in, a call that is obviously being monitored by censor. Nina is at the hospital, clocks Carl on his deathbed, and George sets off the fire alarm, and Mitchell helps Carl escape from the morgue. The benefit of this being vampires, they are not visible on camera. Mm. You'd think, given the vampires linked to the hospitals and the police, this kind of thing wouldn't be done more often, maybe?
1: I don't think they had to do it as often, because they had other systems in place.
0: That's true. That that goes back to the whole system falling apart, doesn't it? Herrick had it in order, I suppose.
1: Yeah. I've got the, um, from the previous scene, Mitchell Sonnen just turns to Carl and says, right, here's what we do. And I'm like, wow, he came up with that plan very quickly. Um, <laughs> and I'm wondering whether they have had to do something similar in the past.
0: Yeah, as a backup plan. Mm. Saul, meanwhile, is slumped in his living room and the creepy news read- reader, Anderson from Future Sherlock, is on his case again now the headlines again all women are whores you don't understand she disappeared an alcohol ravaged Saul says yeah we were going to tell you about that here's the thing Annie's dead it's complicated she's in limbo she should be here with us but she's turned death down and it's pissed off some very important people they want her back but it gets more sinister as he encouraged Saul to drink and get in the car to drive yeah
1: at least it wasn't Terry Wogan telling him to do that (laughs)
0: yeah I did think that actually. Just imagine—he he probably it might have been in the original script, and he probably went, nah, I'm not doing that. I've got I've got an image to uphold." <laughs> mm-hmm. I, again, I don't know whether we'll never know, and we can make it up to our own needs if need be. Whether the men with sticks and rope were just focusing in on Saul's insecurities, his his worries, and then just feeding off them and making him do dark shit
1: just picked on somebody. He might not have been a just... perfect person, but yeah. he didn't deserve them to target him.
0: They've picked on the first person who Annie's attached herself to. Now she's visible and out in public. Mm. Because obviously now she's out there, she's more susceptible to being got by them because she's not hiding anymore. Yeah. Annie is hiding in the dark at home and Hugh turns up asking why she didn't turn up for a shift. And uh Hugh helps himself to one of her many cups of tea and she explains she can't eat or drink in front of people. Now what follows, it's quite random and obscure, is one of my favourite ever lines in the show. Not at all, Hugh assures her. When I was a kid, I used to make plasticine models of Tessa Anderson and Fatima Wibred, and I used to make them have fights. I don't know why, it just tickles me every time that line.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think my reaction's a bit similar to Annie's at that point. A
0: Her face. <laughs> She says, I wanted to be a normal girl and they both kiss and Hugh backs off because it doesn't feel right. You're so beautiful, I'd move mountains, I'd kill bears, but I need you to want to kiss me. I can't imagine Hugh moving a mountain or killing a bear. I can't imagine him looking at a bear in a zoo.
1: (laughs) Aww. (laughs) But, I think go Hugh, he's sort of having some self-respect and not Wanting to be the ring-bound guy. So, yeah, he's he's
0: having him. some self-respect, but he's also being the gentleman. He's, yeah. he's, he says he'll wait for her. The exact kind of guy that Annie needs. A gentleman in the day. A bear killer by night. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, outside the hospital, Mitchell and George and Carl are waiting in the dark. Ivan rocks up and Carl asks, why did it have to be Ivan. And Mitchell and Ivan then have a bit of a conversation. Yes. And uh, again, we're talking about great lines. I- Ivan just is killer in this scene. Yeah. He says, you think this ends tonight? The They've been hiding since Herrick died, but they're going to get hungry soon and you're going to be waking up to headlines about vampires. Mitchell suggests they declare themselves, not like Herrick wants, but to just stop hiding. What are you imagining? Some kind of peaceful coexistence. it would be chaos, worldwide panic, Good news for religion, mind, especially Christianity, to be standing room only in the churches. And as soon as they know about vampires, they'd know about werewolves, they'd know about ghosts. They'd be next. And when humanity finally finished with us, it will turn in itself. First, other religions, massively in the mi- minority now. Now, then, the homosexuals, as he pronounces it. The disabled. Do you know what the future looks like? Enforced worship in churches a mile high, and every country surrounded by a coral reef of bones. But fuck it. Maybe it should happen. There's nothing on the TV at the moment. It's such amazing dialogue.
1: Yeah, definitely. And but I've got. Um, I feel like Ivan's that really annoying person who likes to say the world is the world is fucked, um, but doesn't actually offer any
0: um, <laughs> any yeah. any
1: way to improve it or just yeah.
0: Well, I think that's probably why he's so reckless. Because he's probably just like, ah, everything's to shit. I'm just going to do what I want, and then I'll die one day.
1: Yeah. It just makes kind of sad. You want to give him a bit of a hug and just say it's okay.
0: <laughs> oh, it's just such a good line. It's yeah. just, uh, I mean, the whole speech and the way he delivers it with such attitude. and.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, like, he's, he's seen it all. He's just sat there brooding over his coffee and imagining the terrible futures that will happen.
0: Now, bearing in mind, they're doing this in the dead of night to be discreet. He was hardly quiet during that rant just then. And then he he shouts, hey, Carl, you ready, killer? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so Carl rocks up to the car. Okay, two rules for Ivan's car. Don't eat or drink. And I get to choose the music. And tonight we shall be listening to Miss Kate Bush. (laughs) Ivan making Kate Bush cool, even before Max from Stranger Things was.
1: Yeah. I was thinking it's a shame he's not around today.
0: I mean, not chronologically, but, you know, TV-wise. I also love Carl's Ke- face. He just, like, looks at the floor and goes, oh, what am I doing here?
1: Yeah. Oh. Also, they're going off to South America again. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. why do all the vampires go off to South America? I'm wondering what it's like in South America with all the vampires there. I don't know. Do they have, like, a commune? Or...
0: I can it'd be a bit bitey.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: A vampire commune. That summons up some new I don't know, where ages. do they go? <laughs> and also, when they're, like, escorting them to South America on, like, these big container ships, ha- how many are on these container ships? Imagine if there's, like, a whole horde of them. What would they feast on? The-, the crew?
1: Well, that's what they did with, um, in that Old Ones prequel yeah. for Series 4. They, they sort of sent the cabin boy down, didn't they? So that, so I think yeah. that the Atlantic ship people have got some kind of dealings with the vampires.
0: (laughs) Some kind of deal. Yeah. Okay, coming back to the hospital entrance and Mitchell and George see Saul being carried from the ambulance. While Annie and George are by his bedside, Nina wants a word with him. Annie is not sure she should be in there on her own with the radio on and fair enough, it is fucking horrible music that's (laughs) being played. (laughs) Lucy and Nina are confronting the boys over the disappearance of Carl's body. Mitchell fobs lucy off but george just confesses to nina and she is full of disgust
1: they're so good at cutting together scenes just to kind of build your tension and um give you like a fuller picture of things and showing parallels they're just they're really really good at cutting together scenes like that
0: it shouldn't work as well as it does For firstly because as we as the viewer we've seen it happen and we've got two conversations in one scene being dissected together that explaining exactly what we've seen,
1: yeah. but
0: it, what it is is the reaction. It's the reaction of Lucy, and it's the reaction of Nina. You know, we've literally just seen it happen five minutes ago. We're being explained that we know what's happened, and still it works because it moves the story forward. It's about other characters' reactions. It's about the fallout. Like you say, it's just really well done.
1: They could just say, "Job done, case closed," but no, it's because of the reactions of the the two other people in their lives. But he can't quite do that.
0: And Nina says, you let him out, the dead man, from the morgue. We put him on a container ship to Brazil. Of course you have. And he says, you have to understand the reality we inhabit now. Nina's response, a reality that includes aiding and abetting a murderer and body snatching. And Mitchell to Lucy is elaborating on his bullshit, claiming it could be some kind of sexual cult stuff. (laughs) Lucy, though, clearly... Into the idea, asks him for a drink. So she's obviously into sexual occult stuff. (laughs) Again, in this scene, we do know Lucy's game. With hindsight.
1: Yeah, with hindsight. Whatever he'd said, she would have pushed him for a drink.
0: Yeah. Saul starts wheezing in the hospital bed. Another Saul appears in the room over his dead body. And then his door appears. Suddenly, the radio starts talking to them. It's really well done. Because that fucking horrible music really makes this scene really uneasy especially with the the commentary over the top of it
1: yeah yeah it's not a comfortable scene to watch at all the music and the commentary just goes on and on and on
0: yeah the voice booms hello annie how we've missed you have you noticed annie you can't disappear and Saul grabs her by the arm we've got you trapped like a fly under a glass buzz 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 and Saul is instructed to get her through the door yeah it's like a really surreal looking scene because you've got that oddly you've got that music going on but when the door opens, the corridor is glowing red, and it's kind of got like a like a pulsing thing at the back of it as well. I can't quite describe it. At this stage, we've not seen much of the door in being human, but it's just a glowing door, and we see someone walk in. This is, like, exaggerated.
1: Yeah. Up until this episode, we thought that what was on the other side was something nice, or yeah. it's just, like, all glowy and peaceful and things. And so, up until this episode, we had no reason to fear the other side. But now it's like, oh. Yeah. yeah, so the
0: commentary continues We needed you here, we needed the door, so we scraped you up and we brought you back. And Saul tries to drag her through the door. George is trying to get in, and Saul, I think, mm-hmm. hopefully, this proves that he was an alright guy, mm-hmm. stops himself and pushes Annie away. This is with the promise, because amongst all the noise going on, the, they promised that they'd bring Saul back to life if he dragged her through. Can't and the do door it. closes, yeah, yeah, he can't do it, and the door closes on, on him really quickly. I wish, personally, I wish this side of the Men with Sticks and Ropes had been explored more. The very dark communications through technology, the surreal elements of what was going on in this scene and the heightened stuff going on that made it quite freakish. Well, we'll get to it in time. When we finally see them, it's not quite live up to the nastiness of what this scene is offering.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, for a long time they are just kind of mysterious and they're just the men with sticks and ropes. Ooh, um, we don't see them, so maybe we should never have seen them.
0: We'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the dark of night, Nina slips away, bag leaving George a note. Uh, Mitchell is waiting downstairs trying to stop her. Nina is full of justified rage. You've gone native, the three of you. She says, I love him. I really do, stomach churning love. Practising my signature with his second name kind of love. But I look at him now and I want to pull chunks of flesh from his face. I mean, so fucking powerful. Mm. I love it.
1: And I think it is... If if it had just been the fact that she turns into a werewolf once a month, she could have dealt with it. But it is mm. all of the stuff, that the baggage that comes with being part of the supernatural community. That is yeah. just... That's the stuff she can't deal with. Yeah,
0: and she is a highly moral person, like you say. If it was, all right, I've got to transform tonight, once a month, she'd do that. But it's it's wrestling every fibre of what she believes in and what she stands for, or the chaos that's going on around her. Yeah. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Everything that Nina does, though quite misplaced as a supernatural person, always comes from a good place as a human being. Yeah, and that's it's it's a total contradiction, and that's why things go wrong because she's using her human morals to guide her in a totally different world.
1: Yeah, yeah, like she's got a human compass, but it's mm. pointing the wrong way than it should do in the supernatural world.
0: And, and of course, she has literally just been given the curse. George has had it for a couple of years. Mitchell's had it for nearly a hundred. They've mixed with other people, mm. and she's she's just mixing with them, and it's it's too much.
1: I think this this episode also asks the question: like, does the way we do things, does that have to be the way we do things? Mm. Mitchell sort of thinks, yeah. What if we could stop hiding? And then Ivan shuts him right down. But it's like asking the questions: What if the vampires could? And this is later in the series. What if the vampires could just you know, exist without killing people. Um, mm. What if we didn't have to make these kind of choices? What if we could be supernatural and human?
0: Well, Cutler kind of plays on that, but in a different form in series four, doesn't he? Is it is vampire the vampires and being human are always about how do we further ourselves? How do we take charge without you know scaring the human race so entirely that they go into battle with us?
1: Yeah, it's like they want. They don't want to be in the shadows. Being in the shadows isn't ideal, but they don't know how. To, what the right way is to move forward.
0: Hmm. George soon wakes up to the note, and outside the train station, a miserable Nina is confronted by Kemp. Hello,
1: Nina. And,
0: hello, Nina. <laughs> <laughs> Nina, Nina. This is sensor closing in on the house now, and Nina in particular. At the house, Annie turns the radio off in case it tries to drag her to hell. And we've all been there. Yeah. I've heard heart of him. <laughs> she heads off to a shift at the pub. And this scene is so cleverly done because the pub is so near to the house. Mm. We see Annie leaving the house and Hugh just clearing some things up outside the pub. Mm. And she's calling him, but he's not noticing her. So we just think that he just can't hear her. Yeah. The more it goes on, she walks in and he's still oblivious to the fact that she's there. The realisation that clicks into Annie's face when she realises she's, she's turned invisible again.
1: Um, pretty heartbreaking.
0: And I, th- I think it's super heartbreaking partly because not only was she visible again and she was leaning into more of a real life, but without wanting to sound all marked from picture about this, it looked like Hugh might have been the one. Someone who respected it. I've never viewed it that before. I just thought, I've always thought of, oh, Hugh, you know, poor Hugh. But when I was watching it this time, I thought, well, actually, there's someone treating her with respect. She does have feelings for him, she realised, and they were just going to wait and see how it went. And not only has the chance of a job, normality gone, the chance of a potential new thing with someone else is gone as well.
1: Yeah, it's like, well, it's like she's being killed all over again, because that life isn't going to happen now.
0: She's lost it before she could even gain it. Mm. And that optimism, that hope, which she hadn't had for so long, is just taken away from her. Yeah. Yeah, concluding thoughts on this episode, to me, I I genuinely think this is one of my favourite episodes, probably in the top ten if I was to do this. I can't do that because it would mash my head in. <laughs> But yeah, honestly, it, I love this episode so much, especially because it starts quite lightly and then it goes dark and dark. And there's so many great speeches and dialogue and tense moments, and it's, it's it's an outstanding episode for me.
1: I think it was a bit of a slow burn episode. Maybe the pace was kind of slow. It's not until 25 minutes in where um, you find out about the coroner and that kind of pulls the rug out from Mitchell's feet and things. I don't think it's my favourite. Perhaps I I just like a bit of Pace, um, yeah, but definitely got some really, really great speeches from Ivan. We really get to know Ivan um, quite well in this episode. Yeah,
0: away from Daisy as well.
1: Yeah, it has a lot of feels. I'm going to say all of the the Nina feels and the Carl feels and the Annie feels and who's Phil? <laughs> yeah, it it stokes up the emotions.
0: All right, Elizabeth. I'm going to call you by name.
1: Go
0: for it. Uh, thank you for doing that. Thank you um, for having
1: me. Thank you, Shu. <laughs> thank you, Mikey.
0: <laughs> thank you for making it through the podcast corridor and getting through to the end. I totally have got to ask Elizabeth the trio best of question that I usually ask guests at the beginning because we're too busy catching up. But she'll be on again. So I'll do it then. So to conclude, you can follow the Box Tunnel Survivors group on Twitter, Facebook... Instagram and Tumblr. And if you want to be an honorary old one and come on the show and talk about an episode, you can contact me at pod at gmail.com. You can become a recruit by liking or subscribing on your app of choice. In the next episode, Mitchell becomes King. And if this is your first listen and you want to catch up on the previous episodes, feel free to catch up on Podbean, Spotify, and other apps, of course. And why not? Fuck it. There's nothing on the TV at the moment. That
1: was the Box Tunnel Podcast, and thanks.